Thank you, Pete. All right, so we will begin. I am going to just post some information in the chat, just some links, and feel free, anyone who's on the call, to post any links if you'd like. Uh, Helen and Bernice and Kristen, we do have your links on our website, but also as we're chatting, if you wanted to put in links to your websites, feel free to do that. It's great. Okay, so good morning and good afternoon or good evening to everyone who is joining us today for Radical, the Rural Women's Entrepreneur live broadcast to podcast hosted by the Canadian Centre for Rural Creativity, or as we like to call it, the CCRC. My name is Cassandra Bryant, and I will be your host today. This is, as this is a live broadcast of podcast, for those of you that are here today, feel free to comment or ask questions in the chat, and I'll check, uh, check the chat every once in a while, and I'm more than happy to share questions and comments. While we meet on a virtual platform, it is important to acknowledge in Canada that the lands we are on are the ancestral and unceded territories of all the Inuit, Métis, and First Nations people. I am joining you today from the traditional territory of the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and, and the Anishinaabeg in Markham, Ontario. I am delighted to briefly introduce our guest today. It is my pleasure to introduce Kristen Powers, Executive Director of Benevolence Farm in North Carolina. Hello, Kristen. Bernice Clark, of owner of Uasau Soap in Nunavut, Iqaluit. Welcome, Bernice. And Helen O'Keefe, crofter, cafe owner, and local food campaigner in Elfin, Sutherland, the Scottish Highlands and Islands. Welcome, Helen. These incredible guests will share more about themselves very shortly. If you wish to learn more about the CCRC, feel free to hop on over to ruralcreativity.org. We are in the midst of refreshing our website, but you can, you can access the first episode of Radical, as well as links to past episodes of Viewpoints. Viewpoints offers unique perspectives on contemporary and global issues. Each session brings people together from different worlds to offer their stories, their experiences, their questions, and their gathered insights on a specific topic. The next episode will be on December 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It will be about people who have transformed themselves and in doing that helped transform their community. And we will be announcing guests soon on our website and social media site, so stay tuned. I would also like to share a recent call for applications for the Rural Creatives Springboard it's a unique urban rural collaboration between Artscape Daniels Launchpad in Toronto, Ontario, and the CCRC. It's a three-month virtual program launching on January 17th, 2022, and it offers bursaries for the 30 participants that will be involved. It connects practicing artists, social entrepreneurs, and other creatives from rural and remote uh, places throughout Canada. Its focus is to deliver a balance of technical training, creative mindset building, along with opportunities for networking, industry connections, co-creation, peer support, and one-on-one -on -one mentorship. If you are a rural creative yourself or know rural creative entrepreneurs, feel free to let them know about it. The call for application ends on Monday, December the 6th. And lastly, before we dive in, I'd like to set the stage for our discussion today. You may have noticed the recent launch of our logo. If so, you may be asking why we share two different spellings of radical. There's radical with the C-A-L ending and radical with the C-L-E ending. 
This evolution was inspired by the first podcast with guest speaker Carlene Schneider of Green Hectares when she introduced the botany term of radical, CLE. The radical is the first part of a seedling to emerge during the process of germination. It is the embryonic root of the plant and grows downward in the soil into the darkness and it determines the plant's growth into the light, taking all factors above and below the soil into consideration. A wise person once said, a seed has to be planted in the darkness in order to grow into the light. As humans, our seeds are planted within. The dance between the darkness and the light helps the seed grow. And yet as humans, we have this tendency to spend our energy to try to only dance in the light. And we kind of fear and shy away from the darkness. We have to remember that it is within the darkness that the light grows in different ways and illuminating new paths. Another wise person also shared that this seed within is our purpose in this life and is planted when we're born. We can nurture this seed into fulfilling and beautiful life, not without its challenges or its darkness, or we can ignore it and leave it to die. And if the seed dies, the light dies within. We thought this an apt analogy for radical, where we explore real women entrepreneurship and radical change through meaningful questions and discussions with incredible women here in Canada and around the globe. Radical change has been sown and is very much in the process of germination. This podcast as a platform for dialogue is one of many initiatives around the world that are taking root for radical change. I would now love to turn our attention to the task at hand. You know, today we begin an exploration of the social enterprise landscape. And while not all of our guests consider themselves a social entrepreneur, each has much to contribute to the discussion. And so at this point, I would love to invite our guests to introduce themselves and their businesses. And I say this in the plural because it seems to be the norm for many entrepreneurs these days. And I'd like to ask Helen to begin. Welcome, Helen. Thank you, Cassandra. It's, it's really great to be here. Um, so my name's Helen O'Keefe. I am a crofter in the Northwest Highlands in Scotland. You might guess from my voice, I'm not actually Scottish. I moved here from Australia about six years ago and I've been lucky enough to get a croft here. A croft is, is kind of like a small farm, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. But just picture it like a small, low intensity farm. Um, so I've got a lot of sheep, I've got chickens, I've planted an orchard, I've just got a new polytunnel for growing vegetables. And basically the goal of the croft is to grow as much food as we possibly can and make it all available locally. Um, as well as the croft, I've got, we've got a tea rooms on site that we run. So everything's home baked and homemade. Um, it's, it's nothing too fancy, but it's, you know, we've got a lot of support from local community and it's, it's a really great way to to meet new people and, and you know, have people come in and see the croft as well. And last year during lockdown, um, because we'd lost a lot of the market for our local food because the cafe was closed, we started up a local food hub. So we've got our business called The Green Bowl where we, we get produce and, and baking as well from all across our village. It's, it's a tiny village. So when I say all across, it's not a very big, a big pool but you know we've got about 60 residents um, and we we basically market that produce for them and we deliver once a week to a to a nearby neighboring village it's a lot bigger so we've set that up 
um, just to try and help everybody have a market and, and help other local people nearby get access to local food because it's that sort of thing where if you don't know where to get it from, even if it's there, you, you can't access it. Um, so that's, that's my main three businesses, the, the Croft, the Tea Room and the Green Bowl. Um, and then on top of that, I'm involved in a, in a variety of voluntary things as, as everything seems to end up being voluntary. Um, and the biggest one of these is the Highland Good Food Partnership, which was an organization started up last year with, with the goal of reimagining the food systems in the Highlands to, to be better, better for the environment, better for the people, the people living here, the people growing the food, the people eating the food, um, and just, you know, a whole amazing system. And, you know, we're talking about circular waste earlier and the circular economies, and, and that's a part of what we're looking at as well, not just the food thing. So there's, there's an amazing team of people involved in that, and I'm, I guess, lucky enough to be part of it. That's great. Thanks so much, Helen. And did you, would you mind sharing a little bit about the fact that you are somewhat transplanted um, where you are? Yeah, um, I mean, as I said, I'm from Australia. I grew up there. I lived there until I was, you know, well into my 30s. Um, I was perfectly happy there. I had a good job, um, you know, good friends. Um, but, you know, I was sort of in between things over there and looking at having to rebuild some parts of my life. And I'd come on holidays to Scotland and I'd come up to the Northwest Highlands and I'd, you know, met a lot of local people and just, you know, it, it stuck with me and, and I came back on a longer holiday and I just fell in love with it and this place felt like home. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'd been unhappy in Australia, but, but here felt like home. Um, and I got back to Australia and it didn't feel like home anymore. So mm-hmm. I moved. Um, <laughs> so I moved straight into a tiny village right up on the North Coast um, and just just worked whatever job I could get and stayed with friends or you know stayed in short-term lets in housing until I could find a permanent place to live um, and here I am and I, I love it and you know it's not all been easy and certainly sometimes this year it's, it's been incredibly hard but I still can't imagine being anywhere else. That's amazing thank you thanks for sharing that. Uh, Kristen. Hello, everyone. I'm Kristen Powers. I'm the executive director of Benevolence Farm in North Carolina in the United States. So we're in the southern part of the country um, on Sisabaha and Okanichi Saponi land. And we are a organization that supports formerly incarcerated women. So we can refer to ourselves as a nonprofit social enterprise. Um, We are a 13 acre farm where women exiting incarceration can have stable housing and employment um, through our farm enterprise, as well as a body care enterprise that is tied to the farm because all our products have at least two um, herbs or flowers that are grown on site infused into those products. Um, So we actually will be five years old this coming December in terms of our housing program. Our um, enterprise model is a little bit newer. But we, our slogan is where second chances grow naturally. So we're trying to do everything and not only second chances for people, but for our earth and environment and land. And so we're constantly trying to look at ways to upcycle or, or engage in that circular economy, um, in addition to supporting the, the women that we work with every day. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Bernice. Um, I didn't realize, Kristen, that's a beautiful spot. You've created a safe place for women. My focus um, has been women. And um, I'm trying, okay, I'll introduce myself first. 
Hi, my name is Bernice Clark. I am from Iqaluit Nunavut. I am Inuk, and I've always been here. Um, I always meant to leave, but now I'm, I'm, I'm rooted, I'm staying, I'm not going anywhere. Um, COVID has really changed my view. Uh, I used to be a world traveler. Now I'm, I'm very rooted. I don't want to travel. <laughs> um, living in the arctic is um you know it's all i know it, and i'm very very lucky that um i always say that i'm so happy to be inuk i am so proud to be inuk because i grew up not being in this uh, safe space of being proud of my heritage, it wasn't cool to be uh, indigenous. It was, um, you know, you, you fought that identity. And I have, uh, I'm in, I'm in who I am. I know who I am. Uh, I am strong in my culture and ways. I'm always learning, trying to be that elder that I want to be, and I want to be someone that is uh, knowledgeable. I want to be that safe person. I want to help create um, culturally a pride, a pride in your culture. So uh, I showcase my culture uh, words in our, uh, they're called syllabics in our um, writing system. Um, I, I combine the two worlds. I do two worlds, English and the Inuit system, writing system, to show a unified, um, I want to be like this. So it's important for me to show both worlds of who I am, to show a, a safe space that we can integrate anybody can integrate and taking um what was garbage blubber we've created it into gold it is now gold for my business uh bowhead oil when i see bowhead whale oil which was inuit healing for thousands of years to me it's gold it's liquid gold. <laughs> it, it has such a healing power of the heart and the skin. So bowhead is um, my magic. And uh, having that uh, connection to community, providing me the blubber, and I trade with them. A system that Inuit used was called taupsil, to trade uh, for your product and my product. So I'm taking back uh, an old way of healing. I'm taking back a connection between um, the hunters and as an entrepreneur. I want people to see that it has a, it has a space and that um, we can take garb... <laughs> I want to say I'm gonna. It's gonna sound weird because um, I English is my second language. It might sound weird, but I want to take uh, garbage and turn it into gold. <laughs> so what was garbage blubber? 
is now gold to me. So people cannot connect with me and say, we have some blubber. Uh, do you want to trade or do you want money? So it's, it's changing uh, a whole system there that was not existing. So um, my connection to my community is very important. I'm, I'm actually a subject first. So person like um, I want to, Okay, I'm trying to say things and it's not coming out right. But uh, the connection to the community is very important for me. The youth and the elders, um, there's been a disconnection with the elders, with colonization. So I want to create that connection again. I'm using a healing retreat that has been uh, growing in my head, uh, that little seed that you talked about. Uh, it's it's been in the dark <laughs> growing and it's 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 ready for the light and during this school that i'm in i'm becoming an instructor so we're decolonizing systems the school system and taking a learning in from an inuk perspective so sometimes i get stuck i don't know how to do that because we're today where it's today. So what I do is I envision my grandparents and they come and I speak to them. And then, okay, this is how I would speak to my grandfather, but this is how I would speak to uh, my husband. So it's that um, mind shift that we're doing. I've, it's a mind shift because everyone is becoming... <laughs> The language is becoming a literal translation. We're losing the old wor words and way of speaking. Me, I know I am. I'm, I have a new word page list and it's filled. So um, going back in time, it feel, going back to the basics, going back to connecting with the community and the people through entrepreneurship. Um, I hope... I was able to let you see and feel uh, what we are doing, but it's, it's a new thing. Um, it's, we're all learning together and taking back what, what was seen as not useful. But yes, going back in time, taking back our culture, taking back our ways, language, because language is who we are. Language is how we um, express who we are. So thank you so much for letting me babble. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Very beautiful, Bernice. And I just um, want to highlight the actual, your actual business, the name of your actual business. You talked about the bowhead oil and there's also, there's some other product there, but in terms of talking about the gold that is within and around you in your community, as well as your heritage and the ancestors, folding all that into, and I'll let you share what your business name is, uh, but just a little bit about yeah. that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about my, okay. So that's a good focus. Like my, my, my why is my big uh, focus. So my business is called Wasau Soap. It's taking, it's a play on word. So wash, again, I'm taking uh, two worlds and putting them together. <laughs> wash and then putting the Inutitu word at the end. So we're taking the word and 
we're adopting it and we took it. And so it's called Wasau Soap. <laughs> Fabulous. Yes. And I, I have ordered some of your product in the past. It's been amazing. We're still using it. So love it. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. all three of you. So at this point, I'd love to introduce the idea of social enterprise or social entrepreneurship. And while many of you on the call today uh, may be familiar with the term, it's actually quite complex. You can almost put it up there with the term sustainable development. No one really knows exactly what it is, but we all try to define it. We have to contextualize it. And in a way we have to define it. If we're using the word, we have to define it and how we are using it. And so social enterprise is kind of hanging out there um, in terms of it also needing to be contextualized and defined. At the CCRC, we consider a social enterprise an entity. So whether it's nonprofit, for-profit, community-based, cooperative, it's an entity that generates social impact or solves social or environmental problems using entrepreneurial approaches. It really places the emphasis on social and environmental gains or goals over, over economic gains. And most times the not those economic gains are kind of directed back or reinvested into the business. A social enterprise is recognized as an important instrument to improve the social and economic, and I would even say cultural well-being of rural areas as we fold in the practice of environmental sustainability. And most are community focused, they're innovative in their products and service offerings, as well as even being sustainable within its own organizational structure. And as I mentioned before, it takes many forms from a nonprofit organization to a for-profit business. So I'd love to ask each of you about just your understanding of social enterprise or that kind of space that social enterprise inhabits uh, and what your understanding of it is and what you feel the purpose of it is. And we'll start with Kristen. So at Benevolence Farm, um, in the, in the, under our federal government, we're defined as a 501c3, which is a nonprofit. So our emphasis is not to necessarily make money, um, it's to do, pursue our social mission. And so, but the reason we talk about social enterprise is because our farm and our body care products are being recycled back into the living wage program that we do. So we are selling things and selling them um, you know, with retail prices and, and putting them in places that traditional products would be purchased. But um, instead of taking home what we make, the women take home what they make um, in terms of their income. So the reason we also pursue this is because of our rural location and our lack of resources in the community or challenge with accessing resources. Uh, funding has always been a problem and by adding these social enterprise components it allows us to add some stability to our finances and a little bit more um, unique sources of income and partnerships that we wouldn't traditionally have as a nonprofit and so our hope is that not only can we use that to spread the mission um, but we can also um, increase the amount of money going towards women who are returning home and the way that the, the way that kind of looks is you know a woman or a supporter might say, check out Benevolence Farm, you could always donate to them, that's how you can support. Um, that is how we kind of did it in the past, but with our enterprise, someone might buy someone else a candle here in the US and ship it to them and they don't know what um, the organization is, but they get this really nice smelling candle or this um, healing salve or muscle rub, and they get the card that has a description in it, so then someone else is also 
exposed to the work that we do that they may not have otherwise. Um, so that's kind of how we view our social enterprise work at Benevolence Farm. That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bernice? This, this new world is very exciting for me. I'd love to be part of the social entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship. Um, it, it, it's who is Inuit, we are always uh, watching out for each other. So the teachings that we have are uh, check on your, check on someone, how are they doing? and see what they need and share what you need. So it's it's ingrained in me. So I am I would love to be to learn more of what Kristen said. Uh, because this world um I it's just I'm just learning. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing and I'm and I'm I'm an entrepreneur but I don't know I'm just uh driven by wanting to make some positive change and yeah. be part of a community but I want to learn the world of uh what Kristen said like federally she's not recognized like this world is very new to me so um yeah so being a social entrepreneur as a business person you have that weight and you have that um uh drive strength or that space that you can be make a difference into your community and provide back i mean it's it's a both both ways of having a relationship and uh, i'm here to learn and listen yeah, no, and I appreciate that. And, and that really highlights something. And I think Helen will probably expand on this a little later, but it highlights the fact that there are so many businesses out there and so many women entrepreneurs out there that while they don't consider themselves a social entrepreneur or they're structured as a social enterprise and that legal structure discussion, it's a whole other discussion in and of itself, but that we're intuitively operating as a social enterprise when we're connecting into community, when we're trying to address some social inequities or some aims that we see that need to be met or addressed in the community. We're also trying to think environmentally or sustainability. So in, sustainably. So I think, I think, and this is why we're having this discussion today, kind of this first step into this dialogue on the social entrepreneurship landscape. You know, we have, um, you know, other ways in which people think about social enterprises, social purpose organizations, community interest companies, um, and uh, even B Corps. And I think um, those in this, the United States and in Canada will be familiar with that term. But yeah, so you're right, Bernice, in that sense, I feel like in a way, a lot of us are intuitively just doing it without really identifying or using that language or that term of social entrepreneurship to define what they're doing. So thank you for that. <laughs> Helen. Yeah, I feel like I've got so much to say now. I need to try and remember all the little bits as they fit together. Um, well, starting from the start, I guess, like I didn't really have much understanding of what a social enterprise was until, you know, until I started thinking about it for this talk. And, and I did a bit of research and, and I think particularly in Scotland, the, the best definition is kind of that, it, you know, it's a, it's a business that operates for, for the benefit of, of a social cause, whether that's environment or community being the two main ones. Mm -hmm. and, and it exists to benefit those things instead of providing profits for private individuals or shareholders. Um, 
I think, you know, there's also quite often here, there's legal structures or requirements around it, partly because sometimes funding is linked to it. You can't get certain funds unless you're a social enterprise. So they need definitions around it. Um, when we started the Green Bowl, you know, I didn't even, didn't even think social enterprise didn't even come into my mind. We were thinking of, of being a co-op, um, which actually is, is a kind of social enterprise or can be a kind of social enterprise. But just in the end, because we had to do it so quickly, you know, and, and as Cassandra was just saying, and Denise, you were saying, you want to learn about the legal side of it is the same thing. I had no idea. So trying to trying to become a, a co-op or a social enterprise was just it, too complicated at that point. We had to do it quickly. So we just went in and, and started just a normal business. But if you look at the, you know, the, the, the meaning behind a social enterprise, you know, we, we probably are a social enterprise because basically we, any profits that we get, we're trying to reinvest into the business or to help the growers in our community. Um, and, you know, we, we do a lot of work for free. Um, you know, so the whole, the whole purpose of the Green Bowl is, is to benefit our community, to help the growers, to help them grow more, to, to provide a market for them, but then also to help other people in the wider community in, in being able to access good, healthy local food. So mm -hmm. we probably are a social enterprise, but, but not, not legally. Um, and it's kind of it's interesting to hearing Kristen saying that basically you you had the social enterprise, you had the social cause. So you had the social cause, but then the enterprise side of it, the business side, actually came to help support that cause and help to grow attention for that cause and, and you know and grow awareness of it. So you know probably the other side to what we're coming from was we kind of had the business, but then you know we care about the social side. So so we've done that together. Whereas you've gone this is our cause and we want to do it but actually it will help us if we have this enterprise along with it and um i think like what benice was saying you know we just we just want to do something good you know we want to make a positive difference and um you know crofting and and, and highland culture it's interesting in the highland culture is is in quite a danger of of you know, of, of being lost, you know, Gaelic was the native language up here and it's very rarely spoken. Um, but it's it's not recognized because the the people that have come in and the cultures that have come in in some ways are similar and people look similar and, and it's been, it's, you know, it happened for such a long time that, that a lot of that, you know, that, yeah, the, the cultural side of things is, is complicated here as well. And I'm, I'm not local and I wasn't born into it. So, you know, I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of other people, but I feel that, you know, these, the culture up here is, is similar to what Benice was talking about in that it's, it's about looking after community. You know, people, people look after their elders and they look after their neighbors and they check on people. And, you know, it's, it's that that ties the communities together. Um, and I think in these types of cultures, social enterprises are almost a natural way of running a business. Yes. It's not about you and how much you can earn or growing your business. So you employ the most people, well, actually employment's good. So, you know, but it's not about you earning the most that you possibly can. It's about helping your community and, and strengthening that community. So, you know, you can see how social enterprise, even if it's not what we officially are, it, it can just be a really natural you know, a natural form, or, it, you know, it's, it's the natural purpose quite often of, of a lot of businesses. And I think 
these types of areas. That's fabulous. And Kristen or Bernice, did you want to respond or, or build upon that? I think just most of the, like you were saying, um, a lot of the social enterprises or enterprises have social sides to them. Um, and I think women are more likely to consider those, like whether it's even just think about who you hire in your business um, or how you're, if you're doing physical products, like how they impact your community or waste streams. Um, so there, I mean, I think there's individual decisions that can be made from a business um, that lend itself a little bit more to the social impact, even if the, like, I think um, Helen was saying the, maybe a business did not start with a social mission in mind, but there are ways to run a business that are more sustainable and ethical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, and uh, Pete in the chat has just said, how about all government and business operating as a social enterprise or as a premise of that? And I agreed on that part. And I'll just kind of read out a couple of things here too in the chat. You know, Pete also shared that while we search for to define what a social enterprise is, words like community, assisting others, checking in on someone should all be built into that definition. It is another way to act to be. And I just wanted to also highlight uh, um, a comment from Sandy uh, to, to Bernice about being profoundly moved uh, and Bernice being so gracious and modest and that your her view of your soulful work is being illustrated in a beautiful model about what social entrepreneurship is authentically. So that's, thank you, thank you for that. And I just want to highlight there too, it's been interesting, you know, myself, I am, you know, I'm doing my PhD at the moment, my research will be on the experiences, experiences of rural female social entrepreneurs in the Scottish Highlands and Islands. So I've been, I've been wrestling with this term and looking at it and looking at it. And it's been interesting to know that in the early days, it really just focused on social aims at the very beginning, which is still very much important. But as time has passed, it's saying social and environmental. And I would say now too, when we're looking at this, I, I have a feeling that it will be shifting to say social, environmental and cultural, because I think Bernice and Helen, you both touched upon something quite important when you talk about culture and culture being lost uh, and ways in which we can on, the, on this landscape. And we're talking about entrepreneurship today and how we can support and maintain and, and, and celebrate the culture in that way. So I thought that was really um, amazing for both of you to speak about that and to really talk about that cultural piece um, in when we're talking about social entrepreneurship. So I'd like to now ask in, uh, about um, the social enterprise or something similar. And, it, and really we're talking about, we know again that Bernice, I know you don't consider yourself a social entrepreneur, maybe legally or even defining yourself as one yet. And Helen, I know you're wrestling with the, the, the idea of it. And I know in Scotland, you know, I would say that social entrepreneurship or social enterprise, you know, the UK and Scotland specifically is about 10 to 15 years ahead of kind of Canada, United States, Australia, it's quite strong as well. But that kind of legal structure that we were talking about, and we won't go into the legal structure too much today, but I feel like there's more of a presence or um, awareness about the legal structure in Scotland than there is maybe here in Canada. And so when you kind of think about social entrepreneurship or social enterprise, you probably do shift into that realm of, okay, legally, what does this mean, right? Whereas a lot of other people will just say, I'm a social entrepreneur, and yet they're not registered as such potentially in their province or in their state or in their um, municipality. So 
I'm curious to know when we're looking at social enterprise, you know, and the work that you're doing in your own businesses, how does it connect to your own health, the health of your family, and really the health of your community? We've touched upon this, all three of you have touched upon this in certain ways already, but I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that piece about going from self to family to community when we're looking at that health piece. And I'll ask Bernice to start. Um, so the, the health portion, um, of my business, um, how, how do, how should I, um, a community that is strong together, um, that, that saying stronger together. Mm -hmm. So we are coming back into a what was told don't act like that don't look like that don't sound like that we're coming back into our uh strength of our culture and our ways and reclaiming what was always um what should have never been let go the health check um in in that portion it's powerful movement it's a beautiful movement um I'm so happy to be in that movement that I can uh spark somebody make them feel or make them think that may have been forgotten or maybe they thought it didn't have a place so the health check um saying why don't we add this idea or this concept it's only just going to get more beautiful the more you add the um and adding reclaiming our culture and our ways into the community it's just filling what was empty and we are coming back into being stronger as a person then we can connect with others. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to show, get healthy. I just keep saying, please get counseling because the cycle can end with you. And I'm doing that. I don't realize I'm doing it. I am, I grew up in a very um, opposite of who I am now. I want people to see that you can break a cycle. And you can start a new cycle and be that strong person that you wanted as a person. So health check, you can be that strong person that the community needs. And I'm saying words or giving ideas that somebody might think, I don't know if that's healthy or if that's useful, but we all have some um, beauty and words to add. It's, you just got to step up. And I stepped up and now I'm like, Whoa, this was scary to get here, but uh, I need more people. <laughs> so I'm, or I'm doing this and saying, hey, want to do this with me? Or so I'm trying to collaborate more uh, with Inuit and showing in small little ways. So we just did our wrapping, our soapbox with another Inuk woman. Mm. Oh, that's so powerful to me. Today, we have um, a young man in our kitchen. He's just starting to work. He's Inuk. 
I'm, I'm doing work that are small and meaningful. These seeds that have been in my, in the dark have come out and they're sprouting. So health check, um, get healthy first. So others, you, you could inspire other people. I'm yeah, stop, stop there. <laughs> you know, that's beautiful, Bernice. And I, I like to ask, do you feel that your business was South Soap um, and just even all the other things you're doing, but do you think that was one of your turning points or one of your ways of where you, you started to feel more healthy and therefore your, yourself and then connecting with others? Because I do remember when we had connected last year, I believe, um, for the R2R conference, I remember when you had just first started and when you were talking about how there was a little bit of, I don't, was it shyness or hesitancy to maybe ask elders more about the traditional practices and the ingredients and stuff, but then kind of connecting with them and they became, they came to share, like, I think you were saying too, that they would even come to you. And that was um, something that was new as well, right? To have them come to you to share the story and the practices that you were starting to do yourself within your business there. So I'm just curious, would you say that that was maybe a pivot or one of the ways that really enhanced, you know, your own health, the health of your family and the community? Very much. Um, the more I got into my business world, the more I heard of the impact that you can make. I didn't realize the, the weight. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> uh, or what I was putting myself into. And I'm so happy I didn't know because I would have been scared uh, to get into that heavy. It's so big, it's huge, but you find your space. You find where you're comfortable and you find where uh, your leap sometimes, oh, that's too far, I need it. So in baby steps, as, as um, I've learned in this uh, is baby steps always, if it's too big, just take it in chunks. And the more I healed, the more my vibration, um, it was very, my, my trauma was made my, like this, my spirit, my, so the more I healed, the more I got um, calm, the more it, it, I resonated it. So people see that. So I was seeing that I can heal through my culture and through my business. It's, it's amazing. It's so, I want to, I want others to feel like this. Yes, absolutely. It's beautiful. And it's amazing to witness. And just, I can feel your energy, Bernice, just even here. And I'm sure, I'm sure everyone else does as well. And it's, it's wonderful to be in. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask uh, Kristen to maybe share about that, about, you know, the work that you're doing at Benevolence Farm and just for yourself in terms of your own health. And then just knowing, you know, looking around and when we're talking about family, I'm sure you think of family of those that are at Benevolence Farm as your family and then kind of working with the wider community. But how do you feel that the work that you're doing, um, especially when we're connecting into this idea, I'm not going to say model or business structure, but this idea of social enterprise. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I was um, in a class once where we talked about different types of policy and advocacy and how um, the only real good policy you can have is policy that includes people in on the margins, because the people in the center that always have the um, spotlight on them are always going to be the ones covered. But if if you cover here, you want to get this select amount of people, but you cover all the way 
to the edges that includes everyone um and so the you know by supporting women who are formerly incarcerated in the united states one in three people have an arrest record um to 2500 women return from prison every year in north carolina um, but they're getting left behind um and so the well-being of the entire community um is is can't be whole because their individual members are not whole um in terms of their wellness and treatment and support and we often talk about too at benevolence trying to build um, systems and care structures that are outside of the carceral system um, and that many of the women if they had received those support systems before incarceration may not have ended up incarcerated in the first place because their needs were not met prior to that so so a lot of the mental health substance use health general well-being um, you know if we address those from the beginning from um, all the way from infant um, or conception really to, to death um, that there would be a lot more healthy people and people who are able to climb up Maslow's hierarchy of needs and have their um, lives be able to not just survive but to thrive and that's also what we talk about at benevolence we're not like people always ask us like what's your, your metrics or your main way that you measure success and you know everyone thinks it's just recidivism rate which is part of it but and recidivism being the return to rate to return to prison um but like you can have people never return to prison and still live miserable unhappy unfulfilled lives and so we're really trying to make it so that yes people are not returning to prison but they're also thriving mm -hmm. um, in their communities so um you know we really believe by again addressing people who've historically been left behind in policy or in um systems or healthcare that you can heal a lot more people um when when you're doing that more holistic approach absolutely and and as uh, i think pete had mentioned earlier in, in an early conversation that we had with you last week just talking about for many women when they come to benevolence farm and are able to engage it's the first time they're stopping it's the first time they're just pausing and they just in a way just realizing that they can heal and that they can pause just pause for a moment. And I think that was really, um, you know, that's really profound in that way because it does reflect the fact that there are times that they're so busy just worrying about survival that it's to even think about thriving is something that is very hard to fathom. Yeah, that's great, thank you. Helen, how about for yourself when you think about, um, I guess this idea of social enterprise in terms of how it's, you know, supported your health, but also family and even looking out into the community. I mean, it's a hard act to follow from Kristen there. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's really changing people's lives and changing communities. I mean, you know, I feel that you know, we're, we're doing local food and, and, and a better food system and that sort of thing, but um, it's definitely something that needs to be done. But I think the impact that it can have on individuals is, is much smaller than the work that they're doing at Benevolent Farm. Um, I'll throw in a negative here on, mm -hmm. on the impact on my own personal health because, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not helping my, my personal health at the moment. And, and I think I know a lot of people who work in, you know, these types of organizations and social enterprises who are, are really, really busy and stressed and overrun. Um, you know, Kristen was saying that they're always short on funds and that's always a big one. So you're always hunting for funds. You're always trying to fund what you're doing. 
and there's never enough money to pay people for the amount of work that they're doing. So you end up with a lot of people doing a lot of stuff for free. And when you're juggling two or three or four businesses or social enterprises or committees or whatever you happen to be doing, um, it, you know, it, it can be really draining and it can have a really negative impact on your health. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, you know, that's a problem that I, I've had myself or I'm still having, hopefully we'll get on top of that soon. Um, but I, you know, I see it in other people and friends and, and colleagues as well. Um, so, you know, that, that is a problem. And hopefully if there's more people doing this type of thing, then, then the load gets spread and it's not such an issue, but, but at the moment, you know, there's, there just seems to be so many big problems and so many urgent problems. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the people who, who really care and who really feel that need to do something that are the ones jumping on and trying to do everything themselves. Um, I mean, the positive flip side to that, you know, like Bernice was talking about this, this doing things with community, having, having people involved, collaborating, having other people on the same mindset. I mean, that's just amazing. Like coming here today, talking to you guys, you know, you come out of these things with not just ideas and knowledge, but just, just enthusiasm and, and that sense of just, you know, a shared journey and I'm not the only one here and we're all working on this together and it's going to be amazing and yeah, I can totally do it and it's just going to be brilliant. And, you know, that, that side of, of, of the social enterprise or the collaborative organisation and community is just fantastic. And I think, you know, personally, having that social goal behind the business mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of why I do it. You know, Benisa's intro was all about the why, you know, not, not the actual business, not what we're selling, but the why. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if, I was, if I was doing what I did just for pay, I wouldn't do it. You know, I would hate it. But because I believe in what we're trying to do, you know, it, it just, it makes it all worthwhile. And, and it, you know, that in that is good for, good for mental health. Um, for the wider community side, like, you know, as I said, I think I think the local food thing and the food system changes that we're trying to do is really important. Um, we've had so many positive comments from our customers and from the community um, about how much they love the food um, and and how much they appreciate everything that we're doing. So again, that's good. That's good for for the mental health a little bit. Just feeling like yes, you are you are doing something worthwhile. Um, but we've also had interest from from other people further afield that you know, that are trying to do the same thing we're doing or want to do something or see that this is a good way forward. And um, hopefully we can help them. You know, it's, it's just, just talking and chatting to people and, and supporting each other. And, and that, I think, comes easier through a social enterprise where you're not focused on your own profits. You're not so worried about the competition or anything like that. It is just about achieving this, these social or environmental goals. So there's more collaborative approach. It's, you know, it's maybe a bit less formal and and I think that can, can be, you know, really good for the health of the wider community and the environment just by being able to make bigger changes. And that, and that change kind of spreads, you know, it's like little roots just going out and, you know, spreading. Yes. Yes, that, yes, the root system is spreading and that's fabulous. Connection back to that seed that's planted in the darkness and is growing into the light there. wondered can if I you would something on that? I, Go ahead. Denise is talking about the seed that's in her head and it's just all ready to come out. The, the green bowl, the local food hub that we've got sat in my head for a year and a half. And it was just, you know, we'd talk about it every now and then and we'd think about it and a year and a half it sat there until finally the time was right and, and it sprung forth. So yeah, it's, it's definitely having that time to think, 
having time for these ideas just to germinate and grow. And then when they're ready, you can, you can launch them. Any moments of, I can't do this, that's impossible. Were there any challenges that presented themselves as you let it, as it was sitting with you for that year and a half? It was just, as you said, you were just kind of trying to probably feel it out, see what happens. But what were some of the challenges that you thought and some of them may be very real challenges and challenges that you created yourself, right? In terms of saying, we can't do this. But I'm curious to know, did you come across some challenges that kind of maybe um, helped you think about it a little bit more or took a little bit more time to get there? It's going to sound stupid, but one of our biggest challenges was coming up with a name. We thought about it for a year. We couldn't come up with a name for, for a good year. Um, and then luckily we did everything else. I think we, we started very gradually. So, you know, yeah, baby steps. We just, we just took one step, the next step, the next step. We always went into it very openly. So when we decided that we'd try launching and we'd, we'd start trying to deliver, it was always very open. It was, well, we'll try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll just change it. So um you know we didn't have a lot of capital we didn't have you know a, a lot of equipment we needed to buy straight up so so we had that luxury of just being able to just take little steps just see how it goes and just build with it so yes. that, yeah I mean no no major problems I would say I mean there's little practical things like trying to find butchers at the right time and that sort of stuff but again we dealt with what we had to at the time and then we're just adapting so now we do most of our butchery ourselves so that's solved that problem but you know it, it never really held us back so just oh. lots of little changes and being able to be flexible absolutely Kristen or Bernice did you want to add to that or have any thoughts about that which part <laughs> so, so many parts but yeah. yeah but any anything that really has come to mind and from that conversation but challenges potentially um, when you're looking at kind of this idea of social enterprise and this idea of growth, um, there's when we talk about the body care line for, for Benevolence Farm and how that kind of came to be, really. Yeah, well, I, I also just go back to Hel Helen was braver than I was in saying that for herself. Um, I definitely was like, ooh, I'm not sure if that's making me always healthier. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, I think the challenge in the rural community is just like the lack of resources just feels like it makes things, like some, sometimes we just wonder, we're like, was it the best thing to be in a rural community? Like, we're not gonna change, we're, we are gonna stay in rural, but like, if you go to our neighbor's an hour away, like the resources are just so much more abundant and, and more available to people. So it can be really frustrating. And then also, you know, based, it gets a little bit more political than that too, of like who believes what resources should be in the community um, and who they should serve. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, our, our going to the, like the body care line, I mean, that, that almost was like a, a act of desperation, so to speak, because we were really struggling with that resource component for ourselves as an organization. And, um, women, you know, with farming in North Carolina, we basically have three months where we're not um, growing anything. And so like, what do you do with our folks for three months in the cold um, sure. and kind of dry season? And so um, the body care line allowed for not only full year employment, but also kind of like a different type of skill set and in different outlet to be creative and to be a little bit more accessible to folks too um, of different different physical and mental abilities um but it is really like i think saved the organization and kind of saved us um as a staff and in our residents to moving forward just to provide that more of a a different type of therapeutic approach because it's 
we do horticultural therapy already on the farm, but to have um, almost that like aromatherapy as well um, to work with the the warmth of of boiling product to make candles or um, smelling the fragrance like and anytime we have something repaired in our workshop and which is our basement basically the the repair people are always like this is the best smelling basement I've ever been in um, so they're working in this, this calming environment too so um, I think that that has helped us in more ways than one um, develop that line of our business as well. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And Bernice, what about yourself? We are coming on the hour, but I'd love to just hear from you in terms of if you have anything to add or to share about what we've just been talking about. Um, just very quickly. Um, yeah, living in the Arctic, we have issues with shipping. Um, being isolated here, uh, it's about a $1,300 ticket to get to Ottawa. Um, to go meet our distributors, that's very challenging. So we're um, getting really good at um, talking on the phone and saying, okay, what color is it? How big is it? Are you sure? <laughs> check. How, check the weight. So yeah, <laughs> you gotta be re very specific when you're ordering and you have to do it um, in a ahead of time, but um, for way over there. So it's, we're getting really good at that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. That's amazing. And just with uh, with what was in the chat there as well, you know, there's a comment from Al that talks about people need community and belonging to thrive. And I think we all touched upon that. Absolutely. Today, um, we have evolved as a social species. And even uh, Pete is talking about what is the why and we touched upon that. It's a, I'm just going to read I've got it on my wall, actually, but it's a quote from Mark Twain that the two most two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And so I think that is very, um, uh, you know, for myself, it's critical in knowing that when we are slugging away, and when we are feeling exhausted, uh, we do stop and pause and say, why am I doing this? Right? What is what is the reason for that? And I think for many and for us, for many that are on the call today, it is towards something bigger, we are trying to achieve something bigger there with, uh, with ourselves, but really within the community that we live in. So I would also like to just highlight um, so benevolent benevolence farm and wasau soap, you have products and um, we have the holiday season upon us. So we do have your links posted on our website. If you go to the Radical podcast, you can find them there. And great. Thanks, Kristen, for popping that in. And I think um, as well, Bernice, you did pop some your URL in there earlier, but it is also posted on our website. And you can go and visit the Green Bowl as well as Middleton Croft. I think there's a, some really amazing articles that have been written about Helen. I believe you were Crofter of the year this uh, was it this this past year Helen that you received an award yeah it was the young crofter of the year for the start of this year it was awarded yes that's fantastic amazing so on behalf of the CCRC and everyone here today I would really like to extend my thanks and gratitude to Helen Kristen and Bernice for sharing their time, their wisdom, and their stories with us as we really set the stage toward understanding what we're calling radical change. And a big thank you to all who attended today. Your participation and presence really means a lot to us in this very important dialogue. We'll shortly have this live broadcast a podcast posted on the website for you to listen to and share with others. And for this podcast, we will be taking a break in December and starting up in January. And when we do then, we'll be asking what makes rural women's entrepreneurship unique. So thank you, everyone. Enjoy your day.
great. That was fantastic. Thank you all. I just, I took a bunch of notes. I, uh, this is the best smelling basement I've ever been in. I, I'm going to take that to heart. Um, oh, that was, that was fabulous. So thank you so much. And Helen, 